Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Josh Tan. He's the founder and consultant helping foundries and manufacturers simplify profit, operations, and leadership to grow, scale, and exit. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. Super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So can you share your story with us, how you became a consultant and uh, how you decided to focus on manufacturing? Absolutely. So I'll start a little bit back where I was one of the kids to believe in work hard, study hard, get a good job, and just work for the rest of your life. And when I started to see the cracks in that, I started to already develop my exit plan. I started off at Fortune 500 manufacturing in advanced manufacturing and aerospace manufacturing. And I thought that rubbing shoulders with executives and solving complex problems and running teams. I thought that was like the juice. So I did that for a while until I started to feel like burnt out and not fulfilled really. Every time I like got to another level, it was just like, where am I going next? Where am I going next? Where am I going next? And then I started being transported across the US to solve problems in different facilities. And then I was like, I am not, this is not what I want. I don't want to be waking up in hotels every day for a month away from my family and my friends to be working. Not like this. So I left Fortune 500 to work in small business. I worked in a small manufacturing company in the metals and alloy space. My background is in engineering, manufacturing, and operations with a specialty in metals. And when I worked in the small business, I saw that uh, small business they don't have all the bells and whistles of large corporate giants. They don't have huge budgets. They don't have staff, endless staff of engineers. And it's really just a few like hardworking people getting by on what they have, like hard work, grit, strength, endless hours. And coming from my background, I was able to quickly implement all these management strategies and operational tools like lean manufacturing and Six Sigma and statistical analysis, and we had the best year on record from when I started until when I left. When I left, actually, they let me go for a few different reasons. One, for salary reasons, and two, we had a rift in the culture. And at that point, I was like, okay, I don't fit in big business. I don't fit in small business. Where do I go? I always wanted to work for myself, so I started uh, my journey as a consultant. I actually started off first as a coach. Coaching is really um, what I'm passionate about. I love working with people to help them achieve success. But I have this really specific skill set in manufacturing. So how did I maximize my passion and my skill set? Well, I started focusing on consulting. So I consult business owners and leadership teams around manufacturing and manufacturing processes, building teams, and preparing for exits and acquisitions. And with that, I get to coach people too. I basically get to coach people through all that. And people will come to me. My clients will come to me with personal problems as well. So I still get my heart filled on coaching. And I love seeing when people have, you know, those wins and those breakthroughs. So in short, that's how I became a consultant. So I'm walking through your journey. What are you grateful for? 
What am I grateful for? Wow, I am super grateful for everyone that's ever helped me. <laughs> I've had a couple of coaches and I've had a couple of dear friends that have helped me stop playing small and that have always been like two or three steps ahead of me showing me the way of, of where to go and to learn from their mistakes. And I've had a really powerful coach, his name is Ryan, and he basically said, look, you're not maximizing all of your skills. You're only focusing on half of your skills. You're not using your engineering background and your manufacturing background to your benefit. So when I really took that information in and found a way to make it my own, I saw huge breakthroughs in my level of confidence and who I've been able to help. That's really cool. What are some ways you help businesses create stronger leadership? Well, my number one tool is to have all of your leaders aligned. There are a lot of companies out there where executives and directors will be at, at odds. They want to do things their own way. Everybody's a genius. So they all have these great ideas. And what that does is it causes the energy and the focus of that business to go in multiple directions. And one way I can help build a strong leadership team by getting everyone together and getting everyone aligned for the best decision in the business. Putting your ego aside, putting your title aside, what's the best for the business and coaching them through being able to work together, empowering them to work as a team rather than independent departments. But once you get that flowing, once you get everyone in the boat rowing in the same direction, it's like smooth sailing. So why is it important to have an exit plan? Well, I was actually looking at statistics the other week to write an article uh, for an industry paper. And this SBA says that more than half of small businesses don't have an exit plan. And without having an exit plan, at the end of the day, when you want to walk away from your business, you won't be able to. And there's many, many reasons to walk away. You can get bored of the business. You could be sick of your business partner. There could be an unfortunate turnover in the business, like key employees could leave like now in the, in the great resignation, you could have a death in either your family or one of your business partners. So there's so many reasons to start to walk away economic downturn. And without having a business plan, you're going to get caught uh, in a rock or hard place situation where you'll be forced to cash out your business for no value. You spent all these years building it up and without having an exit plan, you might not even ever want to exit the business. You might want to work and, and pass it on to your kids, but it's like owning any kind of investment over time. Like let's take a house. For example, when you own a house, you put uh, upgrades into your house and you continuously raise the value in the house. So when you do want to sell, it's worth more than you bought it. Same thing with an exit plan with an exit plan over time, you do upgrades to your business. So if you ever want to walk away, you have the option to do so at the highest value possible. What are the top things businesses miss when creating an exit strategy? I would say that most people underestimate the time it takes to exit properly. You could exit um, very quickly under you know, six months if you find it. But when that buyer comes to, to purchase your business, just like the house example, they're going to look at your business and you're going to say, what? You didn't upgrade the roof. The electrical over here is kind of funny. Plumbing over here is funny. This doesn't fit code. So they're going to, if your business comes in at a certain value, they're going to do everything they want to, to lower that value and get it for a good deal for themselves. It's just the market. So the top things they miss is number one, they're not putting in the upgrades. And number two, 
they're underestimating how long it would take to properly exit. So by the time they figure it out, let's say it's on average two years, they could have done all the groundwork to be exiting at a higher value. So how do you diversify with clients to prepare for an exit? We talked about this a little bit before. The example I had given you is if they have clients that they've always worked with and they're loyal to that owner and they're, that owner now would really like to prepare their business to be passed on either to their kids or to sell it and nobody else owns that relationship with that client. How can you diversify with your clients to prepare for that? So those clients don't just leave. Well, the number one thing to do whenever you're acquiring or exiting a business is you want to look at where the revenue is coming from. And with one client, let's say making up 80% of the revenue, that's not really a business. That's just a relate. You're just purchasing a relationship or you're exiting a relationship. So the first thing to do is to start growing your product lines and start getting new clients. Whatever existing products you have, you wanna go mirror the clients you have and get more of those in your portfolio. You wanna bring that one key account from 80% down as much as possible. I'd recommend 15 to 20% of your total revenue. And what that shows is that shows resilience in your business. So if that one client were to walk away, you still have 80% of your revenue coming in. And there's plenty of ways to do that to answer your question more directly. You can obviously go on a marketing campaign, many, many different kinds of marketing campaign, depending on what kind of business you're in. You, I could, you could do direct mail marketing, or you can also do online marketing. And if you're in any kind of service-based business, you could create channel partners. So those are just a couple ideas for diversifying your client load. So what are some struggles you see around marketing and sales and how do you help? With marketing, a huge thing is a lot of small businesses, majority of small businesses don't have a clear idea of who they are. And I'm sure you can see this uh, in the marketing agency world. A lot of businesses don't have a clear definition of corporate identity or corporate brand. So number one is getting clear on who you are and being able to pitch that message from all levels of your organization from your leadership team down to your hourly workers and most definitely your salespeople. Especially when you have a lot of different products and you have a lot of different offers in your business. You know, in manufacturing, you might sell hardware and software and service. You really wanna define who you are. That's the first step to marketing. Second step is identifying your ideal perfect client. I just worked with a company last week they're serving all different levels of clients. I don't want to say what kind of client it is, but huge clients and small clients. And they're finding that there's a sweet spot of really, really large clients that have a certain kind of organization, certain kind of internal infrastructure. They have uh, centralized decision-making, they have engineers on staff, they have a lot of personal clients themselves. So finding your ideal client and pushing away everyone that's non-ideal is another huge problem I see in marketing. So everything funneling down and focusing into an ideal, perfect scenario. You could have 10 perfect clients versus 100 of whoever. Who are those top 10 be? Start focusing all your marketing and sales efforts to that. So what are some of your client success stories? Mm, 
love this question. Client success stories. Well, I do two types of work. One is I go on site and I do hands-on troubleshooting. One success story that comes from there is I recently just redid a production department, redid all the procedures, retrained their staff so that they could secure the current clients they had. They had, a, they had an issue where some of their clients were going to walk away from their production. They couldn't meet all the deliveries and their product quality was decreasing. So when I worked in that situation, I was able to secure over $11 million worth of products, um, special grade metals. So that's a huge success for me. And then something else I'm really proud of is I just led a leadership retreat with six executives and <clears throat> they were all able to put the differences aside and really outline each one of their skills, each one of their strengths and build an ecosystem where they were supporting each other rather than being at each other's necks. So now that client is going to repitch their projections and their yearly plan to their equity holder. And I just felt really good to see everybody smile at the end of two days and be like, wow, we can actually do this. And we're actually not in bad shape anymore. That's amazing. So if you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? One piece of, I would honestly, a lot of the stuff I'm saying now are things I've learned the hard way about like focusing. <laughs> I would say focusing would be focusing to any starting entrepreneur or any business owner, definitely focus your efforts and uh, focus on doing the same thing over and over and over again. That's been a huge lesson. And I, we just talked about this, Amy, continue to do the personal work on yourself, wherever you're having those self doubts, wherever you're telling yourself you can't do it. Go find the bottom of that and work on that. And like we like we said, that, that comes like, seems like easy success. At least it can feel easy. Yeah, it feels a lot easier because it's more about implementation at that point. And you have so much less to, to battle. Absolutely. Yeah. So if there are people that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, uh, you can reach me at josh at joshtan.net. That's j-o-s-h at j-o-s-h-t-a-n dot net that's my personal email go ahead and drop me a line tell just let me know you heard me on amy's podcast and you wanted to know more or you wanted to connect on any kind of level happy to, to reach out perfect and i'll put those links down below thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise thank you amy it's been a pleasure Yes. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful week.